0: This podcast is offered by Wildflowers and Sangha. A Dharma Talk by Roshi Amy to SLA Hollowell. Good evening, everyone. As I said before, some of you came on. uh, So today is June 11th, and last year at this time I was in Lisbon with many of you. Uh, And... It wasn't this night, but uh, there was a night when we went out and celebrated um, the, the Lisbon, the Saint of Lisbon, Saint Antonio, um, in circumstances that would be unthinkable today. Uh, we were in the tiny streets of Alfama, and you could hardly move, um, and eating and drinking and trying to get through the crowd Uh, and as the the Lisbon residents said told me now tonight that uh, this year that will not be possible Um, you can eat sardines but you can't eat them outside (laughs) Um, it's too bad it was a great memory that we all shared And that had me thinking how many things are different now uh, in just such a short amount of time, how many things are different and yet how many things are the same. Um, What we share, even though we can't share it in the same manifestations, in the same forms, we still share. Whether it's globally with the the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter issues, um, whether it's locally in our communities, how each community is handling those things or relates to those things or to other issues, um, whether it's in our own families'
1: lives, daily lives work, um, or then within our own hearts. This week I, I
0: exchanged a bit by email with Jared Said, who is um, an American activist, um, community worker, who is the head of the Center for Counsel um, organization in California, which works with talking circles, what we call talking circles, like we do in our retreats, and he uses them, these circles, not in a religious or spiritual context only, although he is a Zen Zen practitioner. Um, His organization brings circle work into Um, healthcare situations, um, prisons, schools, uh, law enforcement, uh, retirement communities, all all different kinds of situations where groups come together, families, even within a family. Um, And I had met him um, in it was November or October when he's in Paris when Joa and I did a training program with him here in Paris and at that time I invited him to, he comes to Paris every year to do workshops and I invited him to come to Portugal to do a workshop or workshops plural uh, and he and his wife who organized these workshops and we there was a meeting in Early April of some of the Parisian organizers, and I was invited because I'm trying to bring him to Portugal. And I was sick and couldn't come. I couldn't come. It was a Zoom meeting. So I made contact with him, and again now, particularly thinking of him in this context of the pandemic and the work that he does and his uh, work with law enforcement and Black Lives Matter groups and prisons. He's worked with all of those groups. In fact, he, the Los Angeles Police Department, uh, contracted him and his organization to make it a reg- circle practices, a regular practice within the Los Angeles Police Department. And I was curious to know, want, I wanted to connect with him and, further our plan to bring him to Portugal, but also I was curious to know what he's doing now these days. And so we exchanged emails, and he told me a bit about it. his work is continuing. He's, he's being called upon in this moment, in, in both in the healthcare sector and in the law enforcement and activist sector and he sent me a link to a wonderful interview that was just published with him in an American magazine, and he said, by coincidence, someone from Brazil who he has worked with translated this interview into Portuguese, and he said, I know it's Brazilian Portuguese, I know that can be a problem, but it's better than nothing, so... We have this great interview with him in Portuguese and in English. So I'm planning to share it in both languages somehow, uh, so that everyone can hear what he has to say um, about his whole process, how he came to work with council. He discovered it when his, in his children's school, it was being introduced when his children were small, his children are now adults. Um, And he became very enthusiastic about it and became, that became kind of his life's work now, is what he does. So, what struck me, um, what reminded me, what he, his, what exchanging with him and reading his interview brought me back to was how important uh, it is to listen. Um, non-judgmentally. It's also important to speak in that way. Uh, And I think it's, well, you know, maybe in equal parts we have difficulty with each of those aspects, but it's not so easy to listen non-judgmentally. I find myself Listening, trying to hear what I want to hear, or not liking what I hear, um, or hearing something and thinking how I can respond to it, instead of just listening. Deep listening. And as Jared says, you know, it's even about this council, the circle practice, is even about becoming comfortable with silence.
1: The silence that is in our hearts when we're not judging, when we're not
0: planning, when we're not creating some kind of noise in our heart.
1: Um, And what the result of that is. And he
0: says to the interviewer, asks him, because he also did this practice in Rwanda, he went there with Bernie Glassman for a, a bearing witness retreat, 20 years after the genocide in Rwanda between the Tutus and the Hutsis. And they brought people together, uh, whether they were perpetrators, victims, just people, neither side, I mean, had not been a victim or a perpetrator, um, but had been affected by this. and in response to one of the questions of the interviewer, he said, you know, nothing, no one was forgiven in these circles. No political decisions were made. Um, No policies were changed or put in place. But everyone came away from the circles more compassionate. And when I read that, I thought, "That's what. That's what is um, missing from everything we're hearing about the, both in terms of the pandemic. And in terms of this whole Black Lives Matter issue. Um, At least from what I've been hearing and witnessing." this notion of sitting down and listening to each
1: other without judgment and awakening the compassionate heart. And I think that
0: is for me, at least in my path, that is where the key lies. You know, it's like the story of the the child who comes upon a beach which is covered with starfish that have been washed up on the beach because the tide has gone out and they're stranded. And the child has a small pail, just a small bucket that children use on the beach. And she's putting a few starfish in it, carrying them to the water and throwing them in. And there's hundreds and hundreds of starfish on the beach. And the, the, An adult arrives and asks her what she's doing. And she explains what she's doing, taking these three or four starfish from the pail, throwing it into the water and coming back for more. And the adult thinks this is very sweet and touching, but in a very condescending way said, you know, you can't possibly save all these starfish. It's a nice gesture, but you know, it's not really it's kind of pointless. And, she, and the child very clearly says, well, yeah, that's true. But for the ones that I do take and put in the water, it makes all the difference. It's a question of life and death. So our practice of deep listening whether it be you do your own circle in your heart when you sit by yourself and you deeply listen to what is arising whether it's in your communications with people in a zoom conference on the telephone um, at the supermarket because we're all kind of limited in our activities now that deep listening and that deep, honest communicating. And then what arises from that makes all the difference. And this can be true just in our, I say just, in our very direct situations, personally, it can be also in the wider circumstance, and it can apply to even the greater issues of our time. Um, as, you know, as Jared has witnessed in his work with police and um, activists who are very suspicious of one another and come to the meeting a bit standoffish, um or with prisoners, these people who are, have been in prison or are in prison and come to the circle with police law enforcement officers, there's a bit of standoffishness, you know, hesitation. But it's and he says, you know, I don't give them when you do a circle like that, it's not like we do, where we have no topic. You know, he, he will give them a topic like Um, So, the topic is a moment when you um, felt embarrassed or a moment when you felt um, uh, sad or um, what is your favorite kind of pizza or um, what, you know, What sport do you watch on Sundays or something, you know? Um, He gives them a topic that's very basic to start with so that they can hear that the policeman also likes pepperoni pizza with triple cheese and onions, just like they do. Or that, and there's one, I will also share with you a little trailer from a film that he made, Jared, in which the, a policeman is telling a story about this pet rabbit that his family has. Maybe the question was, do you have pets at home, or I don't know, something like that. And he said, yeah, the pet initially had a name, I forget what it was, but I started calling it Bun-Bun. And so then every, now everybody in the family calls the rabbit Bun-Bun, and this activist, when it's her turn to speak, you know, she said, I just, I, I never would have thought there would be a policeman in the world who had a rabbit called Bun Bun is, in English, you know, it's kind of a, like a child's thing, you know. Um, I don't know what the equivalent would be in Portuguese or in Flemish or any other languages, even in French, I don't know, Latino or something in French, but... Um, and then it's as if you know they could connect on a different level and once they could do that after they had spent some time together in circles hearing one another and hearing what they share what they have in common then they could communicate in a different way in different circumstances and about different issues and uh, recognize you know and they were all very honest how you know one of the guys from prison said you know, I never thought I would be sitting in a circle like this with a police officer and the police officer was probably thinking the same thing he would never be telling this guy who's a member of a gang in Los Angeles that he has a rabbit called Bun Bun um
1: and this really got me to thinking about um my own approach to these issues of our time and how um, So as tonight, I chose a different place in my house to sit.
0: Um, I'm trying to change do this every time change, because it's like listening from a different place, you know, I'm listening to this different space in my house. And I'm listening to you and hear, and actually I'm the one being talking, but I hope I won't talk for too long. Um, I'm speaking from a different place. I'm witnessing what is happening in the street, in my house, in this moment from a different place. It's the same thing as sitting in the circle and we don't physically change place. But in our hearts, we are changing place. We are opening to receive what is being said from a different place in our heart that we usually are receiving what is being said. And I started seeing my entire past three months from this perspective, that having been sick was like opening my heart and listening A different place and listening to something different.
1: Um, Also saying something different. And then
0: bearing witness to that and what arises from that is something different. And this is true for every moment. It's not just uh, when we're sick in bed and changing position or moving from a different chair and room in my house. I started doing this in my writing practice too. So I write every day. And instead of sitting in the same place, I've been moving around. For three, you know, for the three weeks I was in my bed, it was the same view. Like I said, it was James Stewart rear window. Um, but since then I've been moving
1: around. Sometimes I go back up there to that view. Um, Moving around, opening my heart, listening from a from deep listening differently. And trying to listen to the to the different voices that I'm hearing in the media. Um,
0: and I've heard from you, I've heard from people in my interviews, you know, about various aspects of these two major issues of our time and
1: how you're experiencing it. Um, And that
0: changes then how I experience it, because I hear how others experience it. And it's like it becomes a chorus of experience,
1: a chorus of voices in my heart. Um there was something that crossed my mind and now
0: I forgot what I was going to say. Um, in any case, um it's become when I exchanged these emails with Jared, I suddenly it started opening up in a different way the, the power of the circle. And the uh, um oh yes, I remember what it was a very specific thing that I've been trying to listen to is so there were all these massive protests around the world and none of us were supposed to be going out and doing that right it would be like going to Alfama um, in those massive crowds Um, no one was supposed to be doing that even though they had masks on nobody was supposed to be doing that but they did and now the people supporters of President Trump and President Trump himself want to start holding campaign rallies where big groups of people will come together and uh, so at first everyone is against that saying oh no you can't do that you know except the people who want to do it so I've been listening to that and I'm thinking well I can understand how they feel I can understand how they feel like Everyone on the, what they think of as the other side has had their say, has been able to go in large groups rally around their cause and we're not allowed to do it. And it seems grossly unfair to them. And I, I understand that. I can feel what they feel about that. I don't agree with their political views, but I know what they're feeling.
1: And I can also understand how, um, when I've, I've heard, I
0: haven't heard so much actually, we haven't heard so much from the police actually, but the bits that I have heard, um, I can understand how they must be feeling. That because there's one or two bad ones, everyone is thought of as being bad and a lot of them are really trying to do something positive for their communities. I also reached out to someone in our Sangha who's in law enforcement and I haven't heard back from him yet. Um, I'm curious to know how this is
1: for him, uh, this whole issue. Um, So what does that
0: mean? It just means this is what our practice is about. Um, It always has been. This is nothing new. This is just another new way we can. It's exciting. It's a new application for it. And it's a new way, a new um, method, if you will, to how we can approach it. Instead of uh, thinking we have to um, become involved in a political organization or um, volunteer uh in some um, way there there you know there's a lot of things out there you can do um, You can educate yourself you can you know, the fifteen best selling books on all of the lists in America today are all to do with racism and um how white people can wake up and um, how to change racial systems and things that's quite amazing actually. And even most of them are sold out on Amazon. You can't even get them if you want them. Uh, So people are trying to educate themselves. And there's a really simple way we can educate ourselves. We don't need to read books. We can just sit down and listen. Sit down and listen to our own hearts and open our hearts and listen to others. I have two nieces in the U.S. who are really militant (laughs) and sending all kinds of information to the family, email group, uh, you know, all these resources about abolishing police departments and um, I don't even know what else, but, you know, and I, I support them fully and I'm happy that. I do have nieces who are really militant and are involved in this. I'm planning to share with them all, however, Jared's interview and um, my own some of my own experience working with talking circles and
1: um, how that that is also very important work to be doing. So, um, let's open it up and hear what
0: you guys have to say, so that I don't, not all my words we're listening to, but we get to listen to your words too. Whether it's questions, comments,
1: uh, whatever it is. Remember, you'll have to unmute yourself.
2: Roshi? Yes. Um, what struck me in that uh, small story you told um, the activist that uh, heard the story of the policeman with the, the rabbit, uh, what struck me was how from that point onwards she can. And, um, I'm not. I don't know, but I guess, I, I'm guessing she, she 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 kept on being active, an activist in some sort of way. But uh, what struck me was how 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 uh, rich it is that she can continue to be an activist and do and fight for whatever she, she, she fights for. Um, but the the her view her perspective. Is slightly different, uh, but, but I'm, I'm 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 imagining that she she continues to do and fight for exactly the same the same things, but the, her her view her perspective is is broader perhaps it's more wide. Uh, that that struck me very much. I I remembered. Um, there are those famous pictures, at least one, I think, from, from the 60s, I think, in the States, I think it was against the Vietnam War, the, the famous, there, there, it happened from then up until today, it happened, I think, several times, the 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 woman, the, the girl putting the flower on the, offering the flower to the policeman or putting the flower in, in the gun or something. Um, I remember a picture from Portugal. I think it was the nineties. Um, some protests at a certain point. I think students, probably. And I remember a picture I saw once. Uh, there were two girls, and they were uh, they were standing close to a policeman who was completely in his outfit, like a troop, a lot of defense and this, a thing over over his face. But it was just a guy a young guy, like thirty years old or something, and they were young also um, and this picture you know it's two of them, two girls, and they are talking with him and they are laughing uh, and to me it's not it's it's a human being it's there it's probably a cute guy, probably he was handsome uh, and they could they could uh, the girls they could see beyond the, the the uniform, they could see the person, and he also he could see them uh, for what they were—two beautiful girls—and um, so I think it's it's uh, it's it's interesting when you can see the person, see the see the human being, see the heart, uh, see the see the rabbit that <laughs> the, the person has at home, uh, and and you can keep. Uh, and you still can keep on fighting for, uh, for what you feel is right. And uh, but the, the, our own our perspective is slightly different. It's slightly it's wider. That struck me very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yes, we can see what we share instead of what separates us. Yeah. No,
3: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking what you're saying makes me think of when we sit down for a circle and we agree on the rules, we agree to listen and we agree to speak from the heart. And so if compassion is kind of the a product of that listening. I'm I'm thinking when we want change to happen in the context of racism, for example, the difficulty when, when the desire, when there is no desire to listen or no desire to change or no desire to go towards the other person, how do we raise that desire when it's not there?
1: And that's why, uh, that's why it's,
0: was for Jared, for example, such a challenge to go into the Los Angeles police department because there wasn't that desire, but they man, you know, there, it started with one Lieutenant who wanted it in his, you know, company or whatever, his group of whoever was under him and it started there. And those guys, those people were so enthusiastic about it that they told their colleagues about it. And so then other people wanted to do it. And it basically it started more of, uh, not so much opening to the other side, quote,
1: but to reduce their stress, reduce their, their um It helped them do a better job because they weren't so stressed.
0: Um, They weren't like just uh, um, worrying, jumpy every time something would happen. Uh, They didn't jump to conclusions about other people who they were talking to in the street or whatever. So it started not from a place of, you know, we're going to make you listen to the the bad guys. It was really to help them do a better job themselves. And then word spread, and it became, it's become now a program where they get credit if they do it, which I guess means, you know, maybe they get comp time so they can take extra vacation days or something. Um, And yet, that's not why they do it, they do it because they want to. And then he took people from those groups. He was already doing this in prisons as well, and he invited people from those groups who were already familiar with the process to join a group of people from the prisoners' groups and from the activists' groups, so that he had people from three groups who were already doing this among themselves coming together. Um, but it's true, you know, if there's not a wi- where there's a will, there's a way, but if there's not a will, I don't know if there's a way. Although, you know, I mean, Jared, I think he comes from the point of view that, of basic goodness,
1: that everyone has in their heart, basic goodness, and that given the opportunity, they will open and listen to each other.
3: Well, what is interesting is that, in the sense, you're not, you're starting from where they are. even though it's it's not it's not this thing about listening to the others but it's like just okay it might i might gain something in terms of uh, me being less stressed and has nothing to do with the with the other one right exactly
0: and i think in, in when he did it in rwanda too it was i mean nobody thought that there was going to be any forgiveness you know how do you forgive someone who had a machete and chopped off your neighbor's hands and killed everybody in the village and you managed to run away, you know, and you're sitting in a circle with that person. How, how can you forgive them just during one circle? Um, there was not forgiveness as he said, but there was compassion. And I think they worked with the group throughout several days um, trying to work
1: towards something where they could live together in a peaceful way. Debbie, yeah? My feeling is that there is something very
4: exciting that happens inside yourself when you're all of a sudden you see you see your idea of policeman and bunny come together because I was eighteen years old, that was a long time ago, and I met my first Russian. And I had I'd lived everywhere, but I'd always been in American schools and we know what Russians were all about in the nineteen fifties and sixties. And a Russian was somebody that had a big furry hat and black boots and a red jacket. I knew what a Russian looked like. And this guy we were in Algeria it was hot. No boots. No hat. No jacket. And he was charming, among other things. And I re- I remember that evening. The whole evening, I could. My head was like all the different pieces that I had under the word Russian. Were, Hoo,
1: wah, bah,
4: and it was a very exciting. I mean, I remember it now. That was a long time ago. When I when I've seen it with children, because I've spent most of my life with adolescents, there is something very I don't know, it's like an adventure to have that happen. And it may happen to people even if they have barriers up against it. Once it happens, that's what we always used to say in school, just get them together. Once it happens, then you get kind of addicted to it. It's like, ooh, I don't know what's happening to me, but this is kind of fun. Does that Russian change my life? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So true. And I'm sure we all have stories like that not necessarily about a
0: Russian, but of some view that we've had about people or a place or a thing, and then it's completely changed. And often you hear people, you know, if they have um, a close friend who is from some minority group, they don't even really think of them as being from that minority group. But if they think of that minority group outside of that,
1: they might have, you know, opinions about it. And They know the person,
2: and so there's no problem. And it was so interesting, Debbie, how you put it. Uh, all the ideas that you have under the under the name, like like a label, label Russian. And then there were all these ideas that that went, and you, you don't we don't even think about it. It's, uh, it's yeah, yeah.
0: And that's what our practice is about. Um, that's it's it's confronting those ideas we have, and seeing through them. Um, and they kind of just pop. Like Debbie's just kind of,
1: whoa, you know? wow, it's not what I thought it was. That feels so good. You know? Changes your life, as Debbie said. It changes your life. And the number one thing we have ideas about is ourself.
0: So when you really, see, when you truly see who you are, it's exactly like what Debbie said about seeing that Russian. What? <laughs> so, actually charming.
1: You can actually think, find yourself charming maybe. <laughs>
3: It reminds me of a a training I did once. um, And at the very beginning of the training, they put us all together in the room. We didn't know each other. And um, they made one after the other, we went out, and then they would ask us to come back and stand in front of the group. And people didn't know anything about us. And uh, people were asked to say, what, what? they thought? Who am I friends with? What kind of hobbies do I have? Uh, am I married? And and it was very interesting. So we did that with several people. Um, and it was it was extremely interesting. So it was like it was show, it was showing how. Just like that, we have so many projections. And then problem is not really that we have so many projections but it's already interesting to look at that and then and then the problem is that we then we act upon these projections Um, and strangely enough most of the projections were actually pretty correct actually
1: (laughs) what do you mean correct
3: well you know things like uh what does he do, what kind of job does he do, uh, what kind of uh, things does he like, uh, uh, does he like to read, And does he, what kind of music does he listen to and these kind of things. Hmm. It was actually very interesting because hmm. we're not usually confronted with that possibility to actually know what people think of us when the minute they see us without us saying a word.
1: Hmm. Okay, I guess we're about out of time here. Um, Thank you everyone. It's great to hear you and see you. Always a pleasure.